Lord be with you. Let us pray. Fill us, Lord, with the words of life. Help us to know you as you are revealed in Scripture and to find our lives caught up in the story of your life. Thank you for your church and for Church of the Apostles, for all of our brothers and sisters who were sent into the world by the power of your Spirit. We offer ourselves, our bodies and minds to you that you would make us new. And we ask for these things in Christ's name. Amen. So about 37 years ago, back in the 19s, as my son would say, a young South Korean college student found herself pregnant. And the father of this unborn child, an older man established in his career, vanished when he found out about the pregnancy. Not returning her, her calls or letters or attempts to contact and heartbroken, she managed to bring herself to the doors of a place called Eastern Child Welfare Society, which was an adoption agency in the capital city of Seoul. A social worker there sat down with her and, and took down her information, mostly just basic information, some more personal. But she asked her this question, what is your religious preference? And Christian, the girl responded. I'm a Christian. Exactly a hundred years before that moment, in 1884, a Japanese man named Yi Su Jong was working on translating the Bible into Korean, and he had made enough progress that at this point, he started corresponding with churches in America, asking them to send missionaries into to Korea with the gospel. An American missionary named Horace Allen heeded the call, and so began the movement of the gospel into, as we know it, into Korea. Now, we don't have enough time to do this, but we could just go back and back. We could just keep tracing back this story until we reach around A.D. 30-ish, when the Spirit of God, as He had done with Moses and the Israelites, revealed Himself. He, he manifested His presence through fire to the disciples gathered in the upper room, but this time it was different, right? As we just heard read. This time, the presence, this fire, spread out among the men gathered there and enabled them to speak various languages at once. Um, think of it as the Holy Spirit downloading Rosetta Stone into their minds in a matter of moments, right? And it, and it wasn't just this ability. It wasn't just the, this language that he gave to them, but it was also this message in their hearts that he gave to preach this good news, to preach the mighty works of God. And so they began to preach. They began to proclaim this, and, and the sounds of their voices rose in the city, and these visiting people in Jerusalem all around the city heard them and, and came running. It was Parthians and Medes and Elamites and visitors from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. There were immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. There were even Cretans and, and Arabs. They came, they all came, just came running. And the scene they found was more unbelievable than they could have imagined. From the mouths of these Galileans, these simple and ordinary Galileans came their languages. And then from the mouth of the one who had denied knowing Jesus, from his mouth, Peter himself came a sermon and testimony of immense 
and tangible power, so powerful that Luke, this writer of Acts, tells us that the people there were cut to the heart. And the Greek word that he uses there is katanuso, cut to the heart. Another way to translate that is pierced. They were pierced to the heart. And it's the same root word that we find in the gospel when the Roman soldier spears, he pierces the side of Jesus and blood and water flow out from his side. So these fishermen who had failed Jesus at his trial preached him so mightily that 3,000 in their midst chose to become baptized in the name of Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. 3,000 pierced to the heart with Christ. They died to themselves and rose to life with him in baptism. And so the gospel, this good news of Jesus, began there and it spread like wildfire throughout all Jerusalem and then into Judea and Samaria and on to the ends of the earth. So much so that 37 years ago, a frightened and pregnant young South Korean girl filled with the Spirit of God, I believe, in a faith that had come a century before into her country, said to the social worker that was sitting in front of her, Sinja, which means Christian, I'm a Christian. And the baby that she gave for adoption stands here today, preaching the gospel in a different, in a different language from his heritage, Right? A, a Korean, South Korean, preaching the gospel in American English with a little bit of a southern drawl every now and then, right? <laughs> Our faith comes to us spirit-driven. It is the spirit that does this work, right? We couldn't have written this story ourselves. Do you see the power of that? How we could only at best hold a small piece of this tapestry of this great faith that he is weaving and has been weaving since the beginning. We are not the authors of our faith. We don't domesticate or tame God to work within our parameters, but our faith, it comes to us through a heritage that is filled with wonder and it's filled with power and awe and wildness. Not even the, the bounds of space or time can hold him. And yet in all of this power, in all of this glory and largeness, he still chooses to become specific, to come and meet us, to come to us where we are. He called to us in the garden, right? Where are you? He came to us in a womb, Emmanuel, and he lives within us as spirit. Once there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who came to see Jesus in the cover of night. He wanted to talk to him about how and why and where God chooses to move. Nicodemus wanted the formula. He wanted the, the steps. He wanted this tightly reasoned way of God. And Jesus, as he was prone to do in answering Nicodemus, he said, he gave him a metaphor. You have to be born again, not of flesh, but of the spirit. And kind of left him scratching his head. He couldn't figure that out. Nicodemus was trying to figure out the mechanics. How are you born again, you know? And so Jesus gives him another metaphor. He said, well, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. 
So I'll say it again. Our faith comes to us spirit-driven. We don't domesticate or tame God to work within our parameters, but our faith comes to us through a heritage that is filled with wonder and power and awe and wildness. It comes to us through tongues of fire. It comes to us through this instantaneous creation of new neural connections in the minds of Galilean fishermen. He did that. The early Celtic Christians called the Holy Spirit the wild goose for this very reason. He cannot be tamed or pinned down into our understanding. He's beyond our wisdom. He's beyond our our power. He's beyond our control. And he's even beyond our love. Now, Father Robert will be teaching on the Holy Spirit this summer at our five o'clock service. So I don't want to go too far into that. But I just do want to, at at this text here in Acts chapter 2, I want to point out that the mystery and the wildness and the unpredictability of the Spirit is counter to the way that many of us find ourselves living our lives and many of us feel ourselves pulled to live our lives. We want control. We want control of what's known, right? Like a trained dog on a leash, not unpredictability, not a wild goose. We want safety and security and and measured lives of faith, not being poured out and emptied daily as an offering to God or being sent out into a dangerous world, right? Having to trust God at every step of the way that he'll give us exactly what we need at that step. Like Nicodemus, we want the formula, not the mystery and the wild power. We want to come to God on our terms, not his wild and and dangerous pursuit of coming to us. And so, so often we fill our bank accounts and count that as gain. Right? And we fill our savings account and count it as gain, our retirement accounts, and, or our calendars especially. We fill those up. And then we curse God when things don't go as planned. Now, I'm not saying that, that earning a living and saving and planning for retirement are bad things. Please don't hear me say that. But I'm just saying, you know, and I also want to say God's open to our lament when things go wrong. Right? He's open to us in our pain and our grief and disappointments in our lives. But what I'm saying is that we can't plan our lives around him as if he was just another factor among many factors in our lives. He's either the way, he's either the way and the truth and the life, or he's nothing at all. A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God, God wants the whole person the whole person, and he will not rest until he gets us entirely. No part of the person will do. He wants the whole person. So I wonder what would happen for some of us if we loosen the grip, or maybe I should say if, if we loosen the illusion of the grip that we have on our lives and ask the Spirit to do a new and wondrous and dangerous and mysterious and wild work in our lives, what he might do. If we gave him our whole selves, really and truly, he might send you to another country, or he might send you across the street. He might ask you to empty your pockets completely and trust him. He's been known to do that. 
but he also just might ask you to drive a vehicle a little bit older, to live in a house a little bit smaller, to have maybe just a few fewer things for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of the needs of those around you. He might lead you to adopt. He might lead you to foster children. Or he just might lead you to help meet the needs of those who are adopting and fostering in our community. He might miraculously blow in through this pavilion with tongues of fire and give you a new language to speak and to go out and to preach the gospel in a way that has never been done before. But he also might silence you. He might silence you to hear the gospel in a way that you've never heard before from someone that you had never thought or least expected. Or he just might silence you to quietly and humbly and graciously and gently live out the gospel where you are before others. He might use your prayers to do miracles and signs and wonders that would just in one fell swoop bring thousands to the faith. Or like Peter, he might give you such power in your words that you speak that thousands would come to Christ all at once and be baptized. But he also might use your prayers to do small works of love, just small works of love that you'll never see or know about. Who knows what he might do, but know this, that in all of those things, in all of those things and many more, They are the birthright and they are the work of the church. They're what we're gifted and called to, and he has come to us to empower us with them. A church that is born on this Pentecost day, that's the heritage of our faith. And this wild and mysterious and powerful spirit, in the words of Paul, can do far more abundantly than all that we might ask or all that we might think. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the wild goose, amen.